welcome to episode three of Webway Radio. My name is Kurt. And I'm Shane. And tonight we are going to talk a lot of hobby progress, uh, quite a few games played, and a little bit of tournament preparation and how we are getting ready to go to our first event. It should be a good one. I sure hope so. So here we are kicking off hobby progress. Uh, looks like we've got quite a disparity in what's been done. I don't however, know what you're talking about. However, I was here for a hobby day, so I feel like... Yeah, hobby day has not been accounted for on this Okay, note. so I feel like that somebody has left some some stuff off, which apparently is the case. I did write these notes last week. Okay. Just, just saying. Yeah, how long has it been since our last uh, episode? Three weeks. Okay. Last that's, week that's was more a bit than of a normal. cluster. It's right. our first episode after... Uh, after going live Launching, to the public. Right, right. Which has been a whole weird thing where I'm watching like the YouTube analytics and watching nobody download it on uh, anywhere podcast form. So, <laughs> I mean, that counts as hobby progress, though. It's part of the hobby, right? It, we've, it we've baked this in there. And I, and I know I've talked to you a little bit about this off the podcast, but having having just random people find us because of suggested videos has been really neat on YouTube. Um, nowhere else. But I had a coworker pull it up on like his phone, on his account, not associated to anything 40k. And on the right hand side is like miniature wargaming. It's Scary. It's Chapter Master Valric. And he's like, are, are, "Is this stuff for you?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's that's perfect. We're tagged with what we need to be tagged to be shown to people in the hobby." And it made me feel so good. Yeah, um, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but that that isn't hobby progress. What is hobby progress? I feel like it is hobby progress. It is. It, it is. is. I spend way too much time on analytics. <laughs> yes, I mean, once we get into this, we knew this was going to be a big part of our hobby, trying to build community. Exactly. I bought the Black Library Advent Calendar art book thingy is exactly what I titled it. That I guess that's what we're going to call it. Okay. But Advent it, Calendar art book thingy. Yes. I like it. It is 25 art prints, Advent Calendar form. So every day I get to open up a new art print and, and look at it. When I remember, I think on Saturday this past weekend... I opened five of them. Nice. Um, my, my favorite one has been the Warhawk one. That's up there pretty high. There was another one I really liked, but it has completely escaped yeah, me. Yeah, there was one was. in the beginning that I liked a lot, but I forgot about it. But that, that Warhawk mm -hmm. Primark fight scene. I, I do like the odd, almost movie poster-like look to some of the art. I love it. It's, it's interesting. It's not the direction I thought they were going to go, but I'm not disappointed. I really love it. It gives it a... Um, oh man, what are those, what are those zombie movies with camp Bruce Campbell? Oh, I know exactly what you're it talking about. It gives me about. that feel. Um, I just love the campiness of these fake movie posters. Um, uh, but in addition to purchasing that, which might've been the best $80 I've spent at Games Workshop in a while. Uh, but in addition to that, my wife and I have bought tickets to the Cherokee Open 2022 in Cherokee, North Carolina, not sponsored. Which will be uh, an interesting thing to talk about a little bit later. It's the main topic of our show, actually. I think it might be, uh, based off how things have been going. Um, but we've got the hotel room, we've got tickets to the championship, and we're debating on if we want to purchase tickets to the Long War Doubles. Um, I don't know if she's going to be able to handle nine games of 40K in three days, but we'll see. Nine games. I don't think you guys are going to make it through nine games. That's why I have not purchased the Long War Double tickets yet. But as far as actual hobby progress goes, um, about a week ago, week and a half, I'm not sure, I put everything Dracari on the table and made a list of what needs its base done, what needs this kind of paint, what needs to be assembled, how many witches with XYZ do I need, how many scourge with blasters do I need, and I've got some work to do. 
to say the least. Um, I have nailed down my basing scheme as of uh, about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> nice. And uh, yeah, I'm got to start printing bases. And as, as you said, we had a hobby day Saturday. Yes, we um, did. And a couple days ago. I got a five-man squad of Incubi basically battle ready. Um, I got the greens down, three greens. I got the orange put down, dry brushed the bright green on them, and I did the swords and the horns. So we're calling those guys done for now. You know, I do wonder, they tell you the three-color minimum. I have not looked at the rule. Right. Is it three different colors or three different shades of the same color? I certainly have three very different colors. I got purple in there too. So like, could you do like black, white, and gray, just Zenithal a model, and then paint the base black and call it a day? I'm pretty sure I saw some Dark Elder on stream the other day that were just white. So interesting, interesting. Yeah. But as far as hobby goes, I think that is about it for me. How about you, man? What have you been working on? Well, my, my buddy Kurt here really, really sold me on this, uh, this tournament thing. And I didn't mean to get into the tournament thing. He's just like, hey, you know, we're going to go do this. And it sparked something in me. And then I started looking up like I don't want to go into the deep end of the pool like my buddy Kurt here is doing. But what happened, Shane? I, uh, the deep end wasn't deep enough. Did, did somebody yell adult swim kids out of the pool? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I don't get that reference, but you know. Oh, adult swim. The channel. Yeah. That used to be one of the promos as it was like a pool and they'd yell, adult swim, everybody out of the pool. And it would show just like old people in the pool. <laughs> and that was just their, that was like their bumpers back when they first started. Um, okay. Fan, we're going to look I never watched adult here. swim. Oh man. Never. We're going to, we're going to send you home with some DVDs tonight. Oh no. Okay. So I guess that could be some good stuff to watch while I'm a uh, hobbying. So I looked up local stuff I could go to. And I'll save the majority of this for the next segment. I'm in the process of purchasing my own ticket for a, a much less expensive, more local uh, tournament to lead yes. up to our big tournament that we're going to be going to, hopefully, potentially. Yes. I looked up some some lists. I, I'm, a, I'm a Black Legion and Blood Angels collector, but I'd never played a game of Blood Angels. I just randomly collected different primary Space Marine boxes as they've been coming out since I've been in the hobby since 8th edition dropped. That, uh, that led to... A Sanguinary Guard, Blood Angels, Melee build, where I had almost none of the models. So I have purchased a lot of models, and I'm purchasing a lot more models this week. And that is what I've been working on. But before I went into that into the pool, I was in the process, as I've been talking about the last couple episodes, of getting my Lord Discordant for my Black Legion army, which I now have, but I've not built it because it's been put on the back burner. I have a box of Possessed, not built, put on the back burner. And then I got a box of Sanguinary Guard, Vanguard Veterans, Infiltrators, Inceptors. And I'm uh, about to be picking up some Death Company and some more Sanguinary Guard. Sounds like you've got your work cut out for you the next couple of weeks. Oh man, it's it's rough. I'd like to apologize. So first of all, the Inceptors is what I built on Hobby Day. And when I first got into this hobby, the part that appealed to me the most, it reactivated the nostalgia of putting together model cars when I was a kid. And when I was a kid, the paint that I had was not the tester's paint that everybody else gets. My stepfather talked me into buying marker pens, the paint pens, where it has a little marker tip on the end and you pump the marker and right, the paint comes yeah. out on it. So that's what I used, which is terrible for painting. Terrible. So for me, the fun was building the models. And I was also terrible at that. I didn't know about the sanding, the little sprue pieces off and stuff like that but nonetheless when I got into this hobby that was the part that appealed to me the most and learning how to make everything smooth and mold lines and stuff that was a lot of fun now it is easily my most hated part of the the hobby really because I, I still really enjoy just you know 
putting together a box of something. It's peaceful. I enjoy putting, like, if it's a character. Right. I'm cool with that. Like this Lord Discordant, Bellacore, doesn't matter how big those are. Doesn't matter if they're a thousand pieces. Love them. It's putting together the multiples of stuff like infantry. Once I get to the second one and I'm like, I don't like this decision for this sprue. I don't like the decision for that. Why is there a mold line there? I can't even put the tip of the exacto knife in there to get that out of there. Like, Sanguinary Guard have these helmets, just like Stormcast Eternals do, with this weird crown thing on it that has all these spikes in it. In between the spikes, like the the mold line is from the ears over the top of the head, like, like a headphone band. Oh, no. And yeah. so the spikes are on the headphone band, and the mold lines are in between the spikes and on the spikes. That's... The spikes are so small you put just a little bit too much pressure you now have eliminated the spike i mean the the only alternative to that would be to put the mold line on the nose and you can't do that yeah so anyway <laughs> that was that bothered me anyway so uh dealing with all that very irritating however i'm getting through it and uh, my vanguard veterans were pretty easy to put together because i took my push fit um assault intercessors right and i uh, chopped their arms off and removed their heads and I now have Vanguard veterans that are Primaris oh, okay. converted, but right. don't use Primaris rules, unfortunately. That's too bad. Maybe maybe one day everybody could be a Primaris. But I guess at the end of the day, it's just size of the model, not actual rules, right? I mean... Yeah, and, and so I'm not going to have any non-Primaris models in my army. But over half my army is going to be non-Primaris units. So I'm doing a Primaris upscale conversion, so I'm doubling the price of this list because I'm a moron. I can't stand the little legs because that's the only thing different. I also kitbashed a sanguinary priest. I took the, I'm going to say this the way that I read it and I don't have the word in front of me. And then I'm going to say it the way that a podcast I just listened to said it. And I don't know which way is right. And I forgot to check this before I came on here. I called it Judicar, which I have stolen one of yours and I need to bring it back because I didn't have a model and some uh, Jordan gave me one off the shelf so i could use it as a, a stand-in because we were proxying models you bastard so now i have three at home instead of two that's hilarious anyway so i have one instead of two Great. yes there's an extra i in it the way this other gentleman pronounced it judiciar man i, I don't I, know which way is right i am from a very small county that is not known for its academics um spelling and grammar and pronunciation is not my game i'm never going to use this model and i have two of them and you can't use two in one army hmm. so i thought he's got this awesome cowl like the cowl in World of Warcraft with the uh, Defias Brotherhood, mm-hmm. and he's bald. He's got a flat sword. What I mean by flat sword is instead of it being to a point, the end of it is flat, so it's a square shape, but oh. it's still a blade. Right. And it's laying on his shoulder, and then he has this lantern thing that he's holding out in front of him as he's walking forward. I don't know, lantern of judgment. I mean, I'm sure he's got cool rules for it, because if he doesn't, it's very upsetting. And he has this awesome leather coat that he wears and the armor's coming, you know, the armor's exposed like somebody from the 80s with pop collars and their jacket popped open. Just looks, it looks awesome. So I took that and I removed his arms and his jump back and I made him my sanguinary priest. I put the apothecary goblet. Sure. That's the conversion you sent me. Okay. That makes so much more sense. In my list, the guy is using something called the Teeth of Terra. So the Teeth of Terra is... I would assume is a chainsword oh, for yeah. the teeth. Mm-hmm. There's no official model for this. There's no official artwork, nothing. It's all people's uh, fan art. I looked it up. I have what you need. Well, I've already put it on. I mean, I'll chop it up again if I have to. But this was a heavy conversion, Kurt. This is sure. 
down to the fingertips. This isn't just like switching out a hand. I might still have what you need. Let's let's talk after this. If you have a bigger chainsaw, that would be better. Okay, so the reason I had to do it down to the fingertips is because his gloves are different. They're not the metal Space Marine gloves. He's got these huge leather gloves on that have a cowl, or cowl is not the right word, but it's like a loose sure, yeah. that comes up where the bracer is or halfway up the forearm, whatever. Anyway, I really like that as a defining characteristic of that model, so I didn't want to get rid of his arms. And I'm in love with this model. And I took Jakari wings, and I took the uh, Sanguinary Guard jump back and melded them together. That's blasphemy, by the way, just so you know. It is. Heresy, even. It Uh, is Xenos Tech. You could say that. (laughs) I I have given my Sanguinary Priest Xenos Tech. I am appalled in every imaginable way. Well, my, my, my Blood Angels, even though I'm going to put the Blood Angel iconography on the left shoulder pad, the right shoulder pad is getting the Codex Astartes iconography, which Ooh. the Blood Angels do not use. The reason for that is because I'm doing the Blood Drinkers, but I don't want to make my own um, icon things, decals. Sure. I tried it. In order to be consistent, it's hard to do on your making it yourself. Crazy thought. Couldn't you print your own? That's what I'm just saying. So why I not, did that. Why not print the right ones then? I've printed my own. Okay. So you have the ink that sits on top of the paper, and then you see. Oh no, it. no! Print, print your own shoulder pads, not not decals. Oh. <laughs> yes. Because uh, you have a printer, and I have a printer. I bet I could probably I fit a hundred. Put a whole bunch of the shoulder pads, angel shoulder pads on there, so I didn't have to put more decals on there. We'll work something out. We'll All figure right. it out. This might be something I redo later. The blood drinkers, mm-hmm. their lore is that they've made a deal. With chaos, without knowing it was chaos, it's the big, the big feather boss Zeech model. The Lord of Change, or yeah. the the named guy. It's either a Lord of Change or the named guy. I want to say it's the named guy, Karyos so, Fate Weaver. So he appeared to them as an angel. Oh no! And told them that if they did such and such, that it would cure their their bloodthirst. So they they just have to drink the blood to keep it sated. So they are purposeful vampires, and they have more control over the curse than any other of the Blood Angel successor chapters. I would like to double down on my previous assessment of heresy. Exactly. That's why I'm bringing this up. So I really liked it. I like I liked the twist. However, I just I gave up on doing the Blood Drinker decals until you mentioned this 3D printing thing, which I keep forgetting about. I have so much stuff that I need you to 3D print because my printer is not good enough to do that small detail. I can do bases, and that's about it. This uh, Sanguinary Priest is my most proud kit bash i've ever done with these jacari wings the sanguinary guard jump pack judiciar body vanguard veteran chainsaw that looks all ornate and stuff really nice oh you've got the is it the eviscerator i think is what the special chainsaw is in that kit so there was a big one but it had two hands on it so i couldn't use it so that's probably what it is i did not use that one though yeah I used one that has more Blood Angel-esque filigree in it. That has the curls, right. like the gold curls and okay. stuff. Yeah. If I could have found a decent... I was just working with what I had, you know. So I also printed me some movement trays. I found some desert bases like Ball would have before I realized that the Blood Drinkers had a different planet that was volcanic. I'm not going back, though. They're getting the, the Ball bases. They were well, just going to say that they're there helping out the Blood Angels for the turn, the Tyranid invasion. You have know, you whatever. printed all the bases already? I've printed so many bases. Okay, I, Probably I can relate. I've got about 30 printed myself. So Only about 80 to go. Whoa. I needed 54, and I uh, think I'm in my 30s. I can only print four bases at a time. It takes three and a half hours to print. Uh, the movement trays, I'm going to have to order about 200 magnets, 
but it's going to make it so much easier for storing and stuff. Even if you don't use the movement trays, it's good to have them because everything has a spot. So then you're like, hey, that movement tray is missing a model at the tournament, you know, and you're like, oh, I better go find it. I really like that idea of doing that. So I also I just reached out to a friend of ours that is a hobby hoarder. So we've worked out a deal for me to get some kits from him that I just replaced later because Christmas shipping, stuff like that. And I have this tournament for January. So he's going to hook me up. And so I'm going to have even more stuff to to hobby. So I was going to see if you wanted to do a hobby night this week, but we'll talk about that later. The answer is always yes. I think that's it till we go to purchases. Did we cover your purchases yet? Oh, yeah. So I'm just jumping right into mine. Jump in. Water's fine. I guess I did cover all my purchases right off the top, didn't I? I'm looking at like 8, 10, 12 boxes of stuff that I've purchased. For I a just, list you have not played. All right, you've played I've now. I've played but Proxy man. of the list, and I really enjoy it, and I cannot wait to talk to you about some of the stuff that I have learned since our last game. Old strategy, Cotton. Yes, we're going to discuss that. In the games played section. So should we should we just uh, mosey on to the games played crossroads here? Yes, let's go ahead and jump on in. All right. So Shane, I think I've played more 40k in the last three-ish weeks than I've probably played all year. So the first game I got in was against my longtime friend Wesley, who has a beautifully commissioned painted Tau Army. I need you guys to understand that when he says beautifully painted, he really means it. This is a gorgeous arm. We should put that picture up on a... I guess I'll put it up Somewhere. on my Instagram. Right. Yeah. And and we maybe in the show notes, we'll start tagging our Twitters and Instagrams and all that because we are going to start posting things. I think about replacing my Discord server that's dead, just deleting it because I don't want to have to go through all the content to make sure everything is, you know, PC and stuff. Or, or keep it. And that could be our private group one. And then we have our public one. Yeah. Just a I, thought. Thinking, yeah. out, thinking so, out loud in front of everybody. I mean, I don't um, think there's anything risky that's been posted in there, but we've invited a I, lot of people, I'd and I just don't want to deal with it. Bingo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so I, I got to play my good friend Wesley, who, who doesn't play the game very often. Um, so rules but, confusion. But when he, he plays, he goes all out. Oh, of course. The, again, this, this army is beautiful. Uh, it's painted, and I, I don't know which Tau sept that it is. But it is the sept that is known for making the manta on their home planet. All 230-ish of them, according to the last uh, YouTube or that one. Yes. Um, but uh, so they're purple and gray and all kinds of crazy colors. It, it looks fantastic. It is very well painted. Can't wait to I post I have played pictures. against this army myself. Before COVID, we started getting a little hobby group going. That's right. Man, I and we had a, that group. We had a hobby day where we had his towel and we had Jonathan's orcs, I want to say. Yes. My Black Legion. You are you were probably Raven Guard. Raven Guard. Yep. That's when I had made the switch. And there was a, I think that was it. They showed up for game day. Now we had some other people showing up for hobby right. day, but they've since gotten out of the hobby. Anyway, so I, I played him. I was playing my beat down Drakari list. And basically, I think by the middle of turn three, it was 38 to two or three. Uh, so we just kind of shook hands and declared myself the victor. Of course, he, he's played maybe two games this edition. So right, he doesn't play a lot. Not a lot of free time to play. Right. Much, much more here lately. So it was fun. You know, got to hang out and shoot the breeze for a little while and uh, roll dice, which I think is the goal of everybody that, that does this hobby. Well, let's let's alternate. I'm going to talk about the game I played with your wife, since that'll be the one that's to get all the games out that we haven't played against each sure, other. Sure, sure. Um, so we played two rounds. I have a third shift job. So I wake up at three and have to leave at 830. So by the time you Taking into account travel and showers and stuff, I don't have a lot of time to play in the afternoons. We, we didn't have enough time to play a full game. It wasn't a relaxed setup. And uh, it was a bit nerve-wracking because I was trying to 
focusing, crank everything in there. And, and two, it was game two or three of your Blood Angels. So right. you're still trying to figure it out yourself. So the Blood Angels list is super simple. It wants to get in melee and kill stuff, and it's fast, which is something that allows me to focus on other aspects of the game, which I'm trying to learn. Like I want to understand trapping and wrapping. There's a new rule with terrain I just learned that I wanted to reference the rule book with you while I'm here after the podcast. It allows me to focus on the game instead of my army. However, there are some confusing things about my army. The special abilities that each unit has, if you had like a a Venn diagram type thing, there's some overlap and some not overlap, and it can get confusing. Like, for instance, half my army is Primaris and half is not. So half of it can use the transhuman strategy and half cannot. Then there is an extra attacks kicker that I have not... I need to write it down so I can remember it. All Space Marines get an extra melee attack when they charge, are the victim of a charge, or heroic intervention. Well, Blood Angels double down on that so you get two of them. And then there's something else that either there's that thing that doubles down only happens in the assault phase, or there's a third attack that I get for those same conditions in the assault phase. And that's the part I keep getting confused on. That's what makes my chart, my combat phases go so long. It's because I, I hate the idea of cheating, but... All the rules are so similarly written, trying to figure out if I get a two extra tax or three extra tax, whatever. You so, need a cheat sheet, my friend. Yes. So I'm, I'm about to, I'm going to be making one. So that was super confusing for me on how many attacks I get. And this is also my first time playing Craft World Eldar. Yes. Jordan does a good job, much better than I thought she would. She's played the army for 10 years, so she knows roughly what everything should be doing. You know, little changes here and there between editions, but uh, she she's sneaky. So I feel like I would have lost the match against Jordan. There were some things I forgot about OBSEC and stuff, but she could kill me easier than I could kill her because of all the fly. She'd get out all the combat maneuvers I would put on, and I don't understand all the rules on how, like when a combat army should charge and shouldn't charge. So I've left myself in the open too many times. right, right. So anyway, I think in the long haul she would have beat me. However, uh, if I had scored the game correctly, I would have had a significant lead Whereas the game was only two points different when I left. Right. So I would have probably been 10 points higher than that. However, I think she would have killed me. She's good at that. Anything else on that game? Well, I needed to be in the the last thing is I need to be in the center of the board for the objective that I chose. Right. You've got the Blood Angels exclusive one. Uh, Well, uh, the Space Marine. That was the moment. Okay. You get two points for being within six inches of the center. So she also had one where she had to do a psychic ability in the center of the board. So she put a unit of people on some kind of hover bike uh, and tell you. a character that was a psyker. Oh, her wind riders and her... Uh... I go in there with two characters and Sanguinary Guard. I know they're dead, so I killed them. And I killed them in a, you know, one of those epiphany moments of like, oh, if I do it in this specific order, I can maximize my attack. So my Sanguinary Priest with his Teeth of Terra killed the entire unit by himself. The characters went head to head, and then my Sanguinary Guard... Finished off her character. Her character has an ability where he uh, has a psychic explosion when he dies and does mortal wounds. And if they does, if he successfully gets that psychic explosion off and does any mortal wounds, just one, all he has to do is one mortal wound, and he lives with one wound on a two plus. So he has a eighty-four percent chance of not dying when he dies. Does this happen again the second time he dies? Unclear. We didn't cross that bridge, so I didn't look it up. Oh, my God. It was brutal. That's all I've got there. We only got to the bottom of round two. Right, uh, I, I really wanted to see how that game ended. I really uh, I really enjoyed it, and I look forward to playing her again. It's not one of those, 
I have played people before where there's a situation where you're like, this is not, there's learning games, then there's competitive games, and there's another type of game, and I don't know what the word is for it, but it's just not fun. And it's, it's like, I need you to understand that there are things that I can see that you're doing very wrong. And if I can see them with my skill level as low as it is, this is a serious problem. I got you. And that was, that was not that kind of game. She is very competent. Oh, yeah. She, I mean, she's very competitive. Yes. And um, so it was a very fun, very fun match. I also played her and her craft world. And I got to say, she might be the first game I've played with my Drakari this edition where I was sweating a little bit. Um, and it, it really came down to the end of turn five when I got all of my, um, I can't think of the secondary objective that I took, uh, but basically it, that was the reason I won at the end. Uh, I think it was to the last, gave me a couple of points, and heard the prey came into effect there as I started to clear off a couple of her units, and that really turned the tide there the last two rounds. It was maybe a 15-point win. I think it was like 78 to 65 or something. But it was, it was close. And I think as she plays more of these bigger games, kind of at tournament level, she's only going to get stronger. And they've got a codex coming out in a month or two, from what I understand. And that is absolutely terrifying. Like, she hasn't played them when they were good. She's playing them when they're down. She's going to kick her teeth in. Well, we had a game. We did. Did we not have a couple since the last one? We've played, I think the... I think I'm at four games on my Blood Angels. Three with you and one with her. I'm not sure. I know we played one, uh, and it was it was pretty bloody again. Yeah, the like I still don't know. I approach the game on a very elementary level, and I don't do a lot of planning ahead. So that's what I'm trying to fix. I uh, we're going to get into that in the tournament prep section. But because of that, there's a lot of times I get myself into situations where I'm like, I have gotten this person out here on the the right by himself or this unit and I'm just gonna get destroyed or the like the sanguinary guard get 28 base attacks when they charge and then if it's an assault doctrine I got another seven so I mean I'm looking at 35 attacks that are uh, five strength minus three AP two damage and I just kind of look at that as like oh yeah whatever they're attacking is dead it's gone so I charge and then leave myself in the open and the Jukari come around, and I'm like, I see what you did there. And I had, that was just 80 points you killed there with 200 points. So I'm going to kill them with another 80 points. And I've still, after losing that 80 points, I've just wiped out your 200-point army with a total of 160 points committed to it. Yeah. yeah just that uh, Sounds about right. We're and, good at coming around corners and uh, obliterating anything in the way, especially if you leave it in the open and not in cover. I got so salty. <laughs> I just remembered this. So the guys that you are painting green are the Incubi. Yes, your favorite unit. And they, I had no opinions about these guys until this instant. What? So I know we've played at least two games. And in both games, your bomber has killed my Sanguinary Priest in turn one before he's got to do anything. So in the game with Jordan, with the Eldari, is the first time I got to melee attack with him. Mm-hmm. Same thing with my Death Company. Uh, you killed them both before they got, or both times that we played, if not the three times that we played, the death company were killed before they got to do anything. There's a term for that, target prioritization. <laughs> um, no, there's a term for that, and it's called combat interrupt. What? So I have death company with oh, five thunder hammers right. that do three damage each, and whatever other stat lines thunder hammers have, they're awesome, and they're expensive. And so my death company can move before the game starts. Mm-hmm. Then they move 12 inches per turn. Yep. 
they get plus one to advances and charges. Mm-hmm. So we were playing a game with a short no man's land zone. I moved across it. I was trying to flip the, I forget the terms, but I was trying to, f- the, we were on short edges and I was trying to flip it to long edges because the terrain was more in my advantage that way. So I was going to get the three objectives on the right hand side of the long table edge and vacate the left objective from my point of view, my end sure, of the table sure. to take the left objective on your end of the table from your point of view. So I was just going to flip it from vertical to horizontal or whatever you call it. I don't know what I'm talking about. Hammer and anvil and something else are the name of these things. And I can't think of the name of the deployment uh, type. Well, how'd that go for you? The incubi interrupted and absolutely obliterated my death company. And I pouted like a kid with a bad Christmas experience. I still feel really bad about it, but at the same time, to see that actually work in person. So, wow. I don't know who the 10 to 15 people who have listened to this podcast are. I don't know what kind of hobby interest you have. But whenever you charge in Warhammer 40K, there is, I mean, this is a, this is a complicated chess game with 4,500 different variables. Somebody did the math. It's actually 4,500 something variables. I'm not just pulling that out of my, out of my butt. But it's complex. There's a lot going on. And there's no way one person can remember all of someone else's army's rules. But for my Space Marine Army, the only way, like when you charge, if you have five units to charge, all the units that did the charge action get to go first. And then the opposing player, uh, you, you take turns with whatever's left. So if you have seven units in combat, two of them that were in combat at the beginning of the turn, they don't get to fight until all the charged units fight, then all the units that have been charged fight, and then the two units, you take turns starting with the player whose turn it's not. A Space Marine can interrupt this sequence on the second unit attack sequence. So if you have, let's say, three units charged, so my first, I'm the one doing the charging, I attack you, attack you with my first charge unit. Right. You can spend two, I think it's two command points, and you can interrupt that sequence, and you can attack with your unit that has been charged. Sure. And then it goes back to me to finish with my units that did the charging. But I have to spend command points to do this. Mm-hmm. And I can only do it after the first activation, right? You, your character, your unit, has an ability on their data sheet where they just interrupt, boom, before the first activation. It's a leadership check. Yeah, and you and, and my death company is the lowest leadership in my army. It's because they're crazy. But I think your role would have done it no matter what. I think you had a good role. Oh, it was it was like an eleven. Yeah. Uh, so I, space I marines just... have pretty high leadership. It's a nine. Mm-hmm. I would have still I would have still beat it. I was I was so salty about that. Still salty two weeks later from the looks of it. And another thing <laughs> that gets me about the game that I have to do a lot more reps to understand is first turn, especially against high movement, and I guess second turn against slower moving armies, is just deadly. And so it may look like you're getting obliterated, but that's just how that turn works. Sure. And understanding that is huge. A hundred percent. And and I've actually gotten to where I don't want first turn. I like to get people out in the open or at least moved because my movement's so high. And I understand that strategy now because I have the same concept going. Sure, I have the 12-inch sure. move. 
So at, at the end of the day, we're both like, no, no, you could be first. No, no, you be first. And we roll. I was like, oh, are you sure? You yeah. could be first. I would prefer to hide. Um, right. And I then, almost wish they still had the stratagem they did last edition to where whoever went fur or second. I, what was it? If you went, Seize the roll. Seize the initiative. No, it was it was a stratagem to where like everything's in cover the first turn for a command point. Oh. Um, but I don't remember what it was called. Um but again, that's that's if I go first and I wouldn't have got it. So it's it's a weird place to be. Sure, I can jump out and get on the objectives, but I can't can't really I'm I'm a glass cannon too. Uh like crazy. It's like all the elder are. <laughs> um but uh yeah, if if I get on those objectives, like you're just gonna show up and shoot me or punch me off. So I, I don't like to go first, and even if I have the first turn, if I can't get everything back into cover or behind a building, I usually don't move it. And and also, I mean, a lot of this stuff is based on me not knowing rules. So, like, I have an, a command point I can use that does mortal wounds on the charge. Well, and again, it's you've you played four games with Blood Angels. You, uh, stratagems will come. Yep. Um, it's so. just something, you know, we usually don't play when we start playing again for a while, first time in a while. We didn't even worry about stratagems at first. Right. What what helped me a lot with my Black Legion is I bought the cards. Yes. I haven't bought the cards yet for Blood Angels. I mean. And, so and that, that's cool to have that tool out in front of you because then you can you can go through your cards. Right. I mean, I know I can print this off, but my printer's kind of janky at the moment. Um, but the, the cards allow you to lay everything out and you can be like, okay, so this card only applies to Terminators. Let me put it back in the box. I don't have any Terminators. Right. This only applies to XYZ. I don't have that. Put it in the thing. And see, that's too clunky for me. I, I feel like it's a lot of going through and like, well, where's that one thing I need? So I, well, I, don't... I mean, it would be too clunky if you're going to maximize your ability to play your army. Sure. But I pick like a top five, top 10. Oh, okay. And sure. I'm like, okay, these are the ones I want to focus on. I don't want to overthink it. So I out of sight, out of mind, the ones that are very niche and just keep the ones I can use on a regular basis. And another thing I don't like is that plane that you've got, that bomb stuff. You know, he's he's good, and he's got that one trick he does, but I think I'm going to take him out of the list. A, I really don't need to spend $80 on one model for a tournament. Oh, you were proxying that. That's right. Yep. And then when, when me and my wife played, I had to use my Storm Eagle as my, uh, my Void Raven bomber, and then it broke off the base, so we just moved a base around. I just want to bring up one more thing, even though it's not technically games played, but I got excited because over the weekend, Wyatt... Uh, took Chaos Space Marines to the New Orleans uh, uh, tournament. And this is Wyatt Turk from the Long War and Jack of Clubs painting, right? That's correct. Okay. And he had Heldrakes in the list, which I thought was kind of cool. Don't see and those often. He did pretty good. I look at his list. Still got the Lord of Skulls. Still has these models that are just so expensive to to get. So I was I was hopeful that my Black Legion, you know, someone had found a list that works. But no. They did not. Let's talk about the Warhammer Open briefly. Didn't we already discuss it? I mean, we talked about who was there. We talked about what we they played. We didn't talk about who won. I mean... Tyranids. Uh, I mean, that's impressive. It, it is. And Jakari wasn't in the Super Bowl match. Yeah, but I think at this point, everybody who's playing, I don't want to say professionally, but at least at that scale, they know Jakari's stuff. Um well, I mean, the person who, uh, the two people who beat Jakari are the people who built the Jakari list. Right. But, and again, I, I think they just know enough at this point. And they, they weren't even in the uh, New Orleans Open top table. At the end of the day, it was Orcs and Tyranids. So, well, but they were in the game right before they were in both of the right. semifinal yeah, no, games. Right. Yeah, no, and I get, but both. You both had to go them. through Jakari to win the championship. Sure. That's a big deal. 
I don't, and I, I don't know works well enough. And I, I know Tyranids well enough to kind of know, but I, I think that was, almost, I don't want to say custom built list for them, but I, I think maybe both of those lists had Drakari's number. And the, um, some other things that I thought was interesting about this is that the top eight, you had Space Wolves was number one going into the top eight. Which just warms my heart because I have most of those models. And the Tyranids was eighth. They had already lost a game. Mm-hmm. So they, they're the ones that put out the Space Wolves, the undefeated tournament-leading Space Wolves. The, the list that were in the top eight was what I thought was interesting because there was uh, Space Wolves at number one. I don't have it in front of me, so I don't know all of it, but there was uh, Imperial Knights, Custodes. Like, there was some really off-meta stuff in there. Imperial Knights just got their buff. Which apparently makes a huge difference right, when, when your objective can, secured and you count as 10. Yes. That's, that'd be problematic for me right now. Yes. I couldn't handle it. It makes me want to play uh, Chaos Knights. I, I have one. I need 10, and it's the small ones, apparently. Oh, the War Dogs. Arm, Armagers? Armagers for Imperium, War Dogs for Chaos. Okay, yeah. So apparently there's, for some reason, you do the list with lots of units for Chaos. Yes. I don't know why. Uh, points. A lot more bodies. And if you do that detachment, they count as five models. Instead of four knights, you get like 13 or 14 War Dogs. All right, so let's move on into into a tournament prep. So I wanted to, to one, go over some of the stuff that I've done on my research uh, because I don't want to be, I don't want to go in there and have every person I play think that they're they're teaching me how to play. And there's a lot of stuff that's different in tournaments than is how we play casually, like trapping and wrapping and some very technical stuff about terrain. So I've been watching a lot of that. And the ones I found that are the most helpful for me uh, is a YouTuber named Sandman, who's a British guy, I assume. Uh, one of the uh, United Kingdom accents. I mean, I don't know them all. Daniel Brewster, American guy, and artofwar40k.com, which is the people who win all the tournaments in America. Nick Nanavati, Richard Siegler, John Lennon, Chad, Brad, Brad Chester. Chad Chester. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy that was in the Orcs list in the finals this weekend, I can't remember his name, but he's also part of the Art of War team. They do some really good stuff, and... I was hesitant to do their subscription. It's $27. And then... That's a lot of Netflix. Then add the podcast to it. Oh, that's separate? Yes. Podcast is a $15 thing, but you can get the bundle, and the total for the two of them is $36, which is what I've done. Um, I don't know that that's a subscription I'm going to keep long-term because at the end of the day, bang for the buck. However, they're also not Netflix where they have, you know, 100 million subscriptions to pay for their stuff. They've I mean, got probably 100 or 1,000, you know, so it's not not the same. It's not like they have a million people paying them $27 a month. You could build a small army with what it would cost for a yearly subscription to those guys. And, and maybe it's worth it. What is five guys at least? And I get that. And they just, uh, they just hired Adam Camillari. He's living in the Art of War house. Oh, is that where he's at? Okay. Again, though, that's $360, $440 a year. Right. I think it's expensive. That's a car payment, man. I understand why it's expensive, because the volume of subscribers isn't there. And they're trying to, it takes a lot of time to make this content. So, I mean, as us starting out in this and the amount of money that you have invested uh, to make sure that we have the hardware to do this, I can definitely see just from us doing this very bare bones thing. Oh, yeah. They're making like three videos a day, every day of the week, plus three podcasts. 
it's it's pretty good stuff. And uh, Sandman and Daniel Bruce here on their YouTube channel, they go over you know these forty minute videos where they go over some things, and sometimes they interview some people. It's stuff like list building and understanding how armies work, and some of it's about probability and stuff, so you know when to charge and when not to. I really like that stuff. The art of war, though. Since we've mentioned all the stuff that I'm researching, is there anything that you want to bring up that you've looked into? Uh, not really, no. Okay. Just I'll, I'll look up a particular rules clarification, but I figure there's not enough time for me to even consider learning the ins and outs. Maybe kind of half watch or half listen to a battle report in the background or something, but I just I don't have the time or energy to sit there and, and not and dog I mean, you. But I yeah. 100% agree with you. What I do is I put an earbud in at work where I'm not supposed to have one. And listen to old strategy cotton. Yeah, listen to this stuff <laughs> while I'm working. Sure. So I don't get to absorb it all. Right, right. And when I'm home, you know, I'm spending time with my wife. I'm hobbying. I'm not always taking part of this stuff. But every now and then when it's something really good, I'll sit down and listen to it, take notes, and make sure that I know what's going on. And I'm about to go over one of these things that I just learned. Two different podcasts brought it up within 24 hours of each other. And it's going to change the way that I deploy and change the way that I make lists. And it's going to give me the tools I need to understand how to make a list. Because right now I don't have any concept of why to choose one unit over another. So that's what I want to get into now. Now that we've uh, we've talked about the people I've been using, I want to give credit to everybody I'm learning from. The um, deployment practice. So uh, Richard Siegler and Brad Chester just did an Art of War podcast a couple months ago where they talked about this. And they talk about setting up a table and playing against yourself. No other army on the board. You're not playing, you're not putting up a proxy of another army so that you can deploy both armies and play against yourself like you would with checkers or chess. Right. You just put up a mission, put up the terrain, and you practice deployment. And you know what your threat ranges are and your movement capabilities of your army. And all you do is play through it and see how can you max your points. Can you get to 100? If you can't get to 100 when you're not playing against anybody else, something's wrong with your list. Now, with the exception of secondaries that require you to kill somebody, right. there's most of the popular secondaries, two-thirds, I would say, of the secondaries that most people choose in a, a game-to-game setup are not requiring another army to be on the table. Oh, man. So my first thought is, wow, I have to try that. And then my second thought is, oh, my God, I hope my wife doesn't catch me doing it because then I can't wait to hear about how I'm playing with myself in my man cave. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I would do is if... I was practicing, uh, I think you have some secondaries that you choose that require you to kill somebody. Sometimes. So what I would do, instead of changing what secondaries, I would think, okay, so if I'm playing this army, what secondaries am I going to choose? I would choose those, and if it was one that required you to kill somebody, one that you can't practice while playing by yourself, I would just max that out on the paperwork. Okay. And then see if I could do everything else. And then at the end of the of a turn think okay if i did all of these things which unit would be getting me the points for the one i maxed out well how could it do that if it's back here in my backfield protecting against deep strike it can't kill anything if it's just back there holding the spot right so that means that wouldn't that strategy wouldn't work and and also you could come up with just you know like you know my army you could be like okay so his threat range is x inches right and his ranged weapons are all for the most part 18 inches the ones i'm scared of i mean my 24 inch weapons are just bolt bolt guns so it's not nothing to be scared of so they tickle so i know that the stuff i'm scared of has this threat range so if i'm moving here am i exposed to that 
if I have to take this objective that's out here in the open to get this these points, what do I need to put with this unit to make sure that it survives? Or is right. it something I can just throw away? So that was a very interesting conversation to hear Brad Chester and Richard Siegler talk about. Is just they're saying that like when they go to a tournament, especially on the lower tables, they know whether they've won the game or not by how the other guy deploys because they're like. Right oh, he doesn't know to uh, account for this, this, or this, and that unit does this, and sure. he can't do it from there. So okay. so the game is won and lost in deployment in some cases. I mean, it sounds like Warhammer Fantasy Battle. You could basically just deploy and then walk to their side and be like, ah, this is yours, and shake hands, because you know how it was going to go, uh, which I hated about that game. Yeah, that, that would be terrible. When I say won and lost in deployment, I mean that is an exaggeration. It sounds like you were playing a game where that's quite literal. It's mm-hmm. awful. Limited movement, no fly. I'm assuming when they say that the game is win loss in deployment, they're saying like at the, your win percentage instead of being 50-50 just got skewed 60-40, you know, something like that, not 99-1, to 1, you know. So I thought that was very interesting. Another thing, they're talking about list building on the Sandman podcast that came out this morning. This is what I was listening to trying to go to sleep. I put this one on there talking about list building, and uh, the guy, the guest that he had on said that he does – he breaks his list into 25%. So flank one, flank two, protecting your backfield. And then the fourth one was flex. It could flex in to do another secondary or maybe reinforce a flank, retrieve Octarius data. You know, the the first three parts of that are the important ones. Flank one, flank two, protect the backfield. And so when you're deploying, you can think of it that way. Okay, so this is flank one. Where would I need to deploy that to make use of it? This one has to hold the center objective. Where do I deploy that to make use of that? And this one has to protect my backfield. It's simplifying a process where normally you have, you know, four to 12 to 15 units or whatever, you know, and you're like, okay, I've got to do all this stuff with these and I've got to make sure I've got people over here to do this, this, and this, and this. Instead, just dumb it down and be like, okay, there's three objectives I need. I mean, depending on mission, you know, two or three objectives I need. Uh, this secondary requires me to hold this, and I need to have two uh, two flanks to push with or whatever, and got to have something to protect my backfield to keep them from coming here taking my rear objective from me. So I, I, th- I thought that was a very interesting uh, way to dumb it down and simplify a game for a new player. I don't know that I would want to teach somebody that specifically from the get-go, but it's it's interesting to think about. I've been in the hobby since the launch of 8th edition, so I'm not necessarily a new player. I played right. a couple dozen games at least literally dozens. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not up to a hundred yet. I think I've played more 40 K with you than I have ever previously. Another thing with tournament prep is I now understand how people, uh, can get their armies painted. It's like, Oh, you have a tournament that you just paid 35 to a thousand dollars. If you need hotel rooms or whatever, you know, right. depending on how far you're going. Some of these big events, you're looking at a hundred dollars a person per ticket. You're looking at your hotel fees for three or four nights. Uh, then, your smaller tournaments that are within driving distance, like the one I'm going to, is 35 bucks. Uh, we're wanting to go to Adepticon. That's going to be a couple grand. No. Oh. Overall, dude, I'm definitely going to easily be parting ways with two grand one way or the other. Unless you- you're going to make it rain at the Forge World booth. And in that case, a couple of Carls is understandable. <laughs> so, well, there's food, alcohol, tickets, so I'm getting rooms. I'm making sandwiches in the hotel. Well, <laughs> so when you make your sandwiches, uh-huh. 
And we're not staying at the hotel the convention's in. Breakfast and dinner, my man. <laughs> oh, no. No, I am too fat for that, my friend. There's not going to be breakfast and dinner happening here. Uh, <laughs> unless we're famous. talking about second breakfast and second no. dinner. Are we doing no. The Hobbit here? I'm doing The Hobbit here. <laughs> or no, I'm, no, I'm eating. <laughs> you know. Anyway, we have had a bit of a hobby struggle since COVID hit. Because we haven't been able to play enough games. You, know, you the, aren't kidding. Oh, like, my God. I'm wanting to, whenever I play an army... I want to have it painted or in the process of being painted. Playing with gray plastic, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Well, that's why you prime it black. But I do it. And I'm always trying, like, I'll pick a unit and be like, okay, I'm going to finish something about this unit. Okay, it's painted and I just need to base it. Or I need to make it match where I change my style. Or it's not painted at all. I need to get that knocked out. And so before a game is played, I'll kind of binge a unit over the week and just, you know, Get it 60% done just so that it looks like what it's supposed to be. Oh, it's Black Legion? Well, it's black with gold trim at the very least. Maybe a splash of red and call it a day. So at least it has paint on it. Over the COVID time, you know, we, we, uh, once we got vaccinated, we did try to start playing games and stuff. But then, you know, you rotate through, oh, this group's sick or that group's sick or we're on quarantine or there's a spike going on in the area right now. Whatever, you know, everybody's dealt with this. And we, at least me, I got out of the habit, out of the motivation of doing stuff and out of the motivation to even buy any models or anything because it's like, well, when am I going to get to play with them? You did drop off there for about six months. When we got into this tournament thing, it's like, okay, now we got to do the three color minimum. I've also got to have a list because I don't want to take just the stuff that I have. Like I want to play Blood Angels and the stuff I have is from generic box releases. The Indominus box, the No No Fear box, et cetera, et cetera. So I looked into the lists and stuff and Blood Angels don't really have... Like every list ever is almost the same stuff with very few things rotated in and out. And I'm like, okay, I'll just build one of these and uh, buy enough extra. I can do the rotations ins and outs to try different stuff. And so I've really been on a, on a hobby spree here lately, getting stuff done. I've really, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed getting, getting things done. And I've noticed that you have picked up quite a bit too. And yeah. so is Jordan. I, I've probably painted, uh, what, a thousand points of Dark Eldar in the last couple of months? Or oh, week, yeah. weeks? I don't know. And as we talk, my wife has about a quarter, maybe half of my table of ultimate gaming with Eldar bits everywhere. Glue, files, clippers, the two hobby, Blood of the Phoenix boxes. The hobby uh, station is set up. She's going hard with the paint. And uh, I love it. I love seeing it. I love seeing all this hobby getting done. Yes. It's, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It, it's nice. Um, and just in that motivation, that drive, like I have a deadline, I have to get this done, or I just can't play. Like that's huge. Kind and of a big I deal. I love it. So I'm just hoping that I enjoy playing the tournament as much as I've enjoyed getting ready for the tournament. I I also hope that. My tickets are refundable, thankfully, still for a little while, um, as are my hotel room reservations for the Cherokee Open. So I'm probably going to go with you to Lebanon. If it sucks, I'll get my money back. <laughs> what you just win the whole thing i don't think i'm gonna win it i'm gonna try <laughs> but i don't think i'm gonna win it i'd like to think i'm that good but i'm gonna get up there and play something crazy like gray knights and just be like oh and not know how to handle them um, although they don't all have crazy like two and three up involves like you do so i should be able to tear through them a little easier I mean, just getting into these tournaments and getting this hobby done is just like revitalized the whole the whole right. thing for me. And I'm really hoping that we don't get in one of those situations. Like I listen to all these uh, podcasts where people are talking about it, and a lot of them are talking about uh, being new players, like on Forge the Narrative. Tanya Gates. Yes, Tanya Gates. The she, war mistress. 
Yeah, she uh, went with Custodes, and she's been an Imperial Guard player. And orcs. And she has uh, talked at length on this most recent episode about her struggles being an Imperial Guard player when they don't have the tools to succeed. And she plays Custodes and does quite well. You know, they, they theorize that that's because her mechanics were good. It's just her codex wasn't good enough to, to succeed. Just mathematically, right? she was always the underdog. And so then she goes in with Custodes, which is not necessarily a meta army, but it's a competent, you know, mid-playing field army that's competitive. And uh, she goes in there and does really well. And, and, you know, she talks about the experiences that she had. At no point was she mentioning, well, this terrible player just made this event bad for me. You know, and that's the theme I've heard across all the podcasts is, yes, you do have a bad game where someone is. I mean, there's some notorious cheaters in the 40K community at the bigger tournaments. Uh, there's the, the occasional person you get is going to get angry and salty at you. And then apparently there's the occasional Nazi. But for the most part, it seems like everybody is fun and just there to have a good time. And they're not going to be judgmental on you and that sort of thing. So, you know, if it takes you a little bit longer to do your turns... At, when time's up, you just call the judge over and walk through your thing and write down your scores. I do need to buy my ticket now that I just got paid for the event um, in January. I haven't bought my ticket either. I'm going to be doing that on Friday. So we'll we'll get that. I believe the Lebanon one said two and a half hours dice down. What the heck? Who does that? Uh, people who want to go home. I mean, it's a one-day thing. I mean, yeah. come on. Well, they don't start until much later in the day, though. And one thing that concerns me about stuff like that is the three hours... Mm-hmm. From what I understand, it starts as soon as you get to the table. Yes. So that's putting your models on the table. That's doing this. If you have the terrain movement rules, mm-hmm. that's talking things over with your opponent. That's not just the game. You clock them when it's not yours, man. I just don't know. Which I, I guess, too, we're going to have to start playing with a chess clock just yes. to speed it up. I'm off starting Friday at 3 o'clock officially, uh, maybe earlier, depending on when the boss leaves. I've got two weeks off. I've got to get some games in. That's so depressing for me to hear. Back on topic, is there anything else you want to talk about tournament-related before I go into something that isn't on the list? Oh. Oh. Um, you know the meme where the car's got the option for the interstate, and then there's the off-ramp, and he's squealing tires? Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Okay, so I do have one more thing to do oh, that you mentioned, you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So this is something else that Brad Chester mentioned in that Art of War 40K podcast. So there is a website that we can use that will break down when to use your stratagems and stuff. It doesn't... Uh, it doesn't really include everything. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to make this checklist, just a short checklist, and maybe even put it on like a laminate it for dry erase marker or whatever. So I just want to have the simple things I, that I know I'm going to do every phase or every turn or every, whatever it is that's clockwork, not stuff that's decision-based. And that way I can just remember, hey, check that off. Like Death Company, am I going to move them pregame? Check it off or exit out. Uh, oh, you need, uh, what's it called? There's an AOS reminders. Like a flight pre-check or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there, so there's there's that. Then there's certain stratagems you do to buff things, you know, that are... Sometimes your stratagems are reactive. Sometimes your stratagems are something you're going to use every single X phase. Like every shooting phase, this is happening. Because it's a buff to the whole army or whatever. Yeah, so... If that's the case, that also will help me budget out my command points. I know I'm going to have, through the course of the game, 14 command points. Start with nine, you get five, one per turn. So, and I'm going to have 14 command points to spend. That's my budget. What is locked in when I'm trying to make a decision on whether I want to do a command reroll? Do I have enough points to do that? Is that more important than this other thing I have to do next turn? Sure. Yeah, no, that's, I'd, I'd be curious to see how that looks. And then combat doctrines. 
Good luck with that. Yeah. As a former Space Marine player. Uh, well, even, even with your Dark Elves, you don't remember that other thing that you got. Well, that's why I've got my, my cheat sheet. It didn't help. Well, neither one of us is doing good with the combat doctrine equivalent type rules. Well, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> yes. We have yes. Uh, a month tomorrow. Yep. So, All right. Let's detour to the off-ramp to uh, Ranceville. Or detourville? No, 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 not not even not even a detour. So, I mentioned last Saturday that I I kind of wanted to text everybody in the group area and just say, hey, uh, what do you think about maybe trying to get together? Not even for a Warhammer day, but like a a start of maybe a crusade or something, just to get some of these non-tournament players a involved playing games, you know. Not, uh, learning their army again, learning the core rules again. Because as you know, we've got a few people in our little group that claim to play and get upset when nerfs happen, but I've yet to see them play armies. Correct. Of uh, certain saltiness. Yeah, so in... how When did 8th edition come out? 8th? Yeah. Four or five years ago. Okay, so... And then four. me and you started hanging out halfway through 8th. Roughly, yeah. So in the last three to four years... Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the people in our local group have played one game, but they live and breathe the hobby. Yep. I'd say there's there's a couple of categories. We've got the zero category, which was my wife basically up until two weeks ago. Uh, we've got the one to three category, and then there's like five plus. And uh, most of these people sit in the one to three, mostly because we hang out a lot and we don't think like, oh, we should text so-and-so or, hey, let's invite, you know, that couple over and... We, we just don't think about it like we probably should or plan it. So, so something I want to do is try to just say, hey, on next Saturday or whatever it might, uh, might be, let's all try to get together and hang out in a hobby or roll dice or, you know, throw up a PowerPoint on my big TV and just talk about like, hey, let's, you know, let's improve how we play and speed things up a little bit. Um, we could do that for a hobby day during the week this week. I mean, the worst it's hard to get the other people. Yeah, all they have to, they can say no. Yeah, having yeah. the invite to put it on their mind. And I didn't realize this, but Spider Man comes out Thursday night, so my Saturday without kids is booked. Um, uh, I think that me and Jessica are also going to see in Spider Man, nice. and then the following week, mm-hmm. two other movies come out: Kingsman ah. and something else. I have to I have <laughs> to see them. Yeah, Matrix. I got HBO Max for that. I'm not getting off the couch. <laughs> oh come on, man! The spectacle, the ro- the theaters right down the road. It is, but I could also just pop in my AirPods, and everything around me goes dead, and I can hear it as loud as I needed it to be. Can't do that to me. You can't tell me that headphones are as good as They're the not. sound system at a theater. But being able to pause it, and get up and take a leak, or whatever it is, and go make a sandwich and come back and hit play. Pretty sweet deal. I'd pay fifteen bucks a month for that. <laughs> I'd pay fifteen bucks a movie for that. Man, could you imagine if when you bought your movie ticket, everybody got one pause? Oh my god, it'd be like uh, something like League of Legends when everybody gets a pause, and just to piss off the other team when you're leaving, like pause. I got forty five seconds, and then yours <laughs> expires, and your other teammate does it, oh, and the other team is just like, oh my god. And I, I think know, everybody I gets three. Yeah, oh, so that's awful. If you want to piss off the other team, that's so you what get you timeouts do. basically. Yeah, basically. You. Well, League of Legends is one of those games that can go on for a couple hours too, isn't it? Uh, about an hour. And that's, that's why I had to stop playing it, because once you had, I had a kid, it's like, you know what? I can't just go dead to the world for an hour and get a 45-second pause. I, I can't can't do that, you know? Hey, who's, who's, holding, who's holding down the left lane? Where did he go? He's just standing there. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I ended up getting kicked from a few games early on, you know, because of that, and I, I stopped playing. 
took the high road. I can see that. All right, I, I think that's everything for me. Shane, do you have anything else before we wrap this up? I'm thinking about playing Final Fantasy XIV with the new expansion that just came out, but that's it. Don't do it. Look, as your friend... Really good reviews. As your friend who's in the know on some stuff, no commitments for a while. Okay, okay. Trust me. Save your money. All right, all right. All right, well, thank you for listening to this episode of WebAway Radio. Um, You can find us on YouTube for sure. I know now we are on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, um, everywhere you can find a podcast. You can basically find us. If you can, give us a subscribe, give us a five-star review or or not. Uh, Let us know what you think. You know, say hi in the comments. Let us know you're listening. I think that's it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys.